Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from whywatchtonight.co.uk, and joining me from across the pond, he's my out of this world co host, com. How are you, sir? Pretty good. That gave me uh, that thing you do references. Um, because there's a, a part where Brian Cranston is playing an astronaut. And he says, it's like your monologue or something. It's out of this world. Um, big fan of that movie. It's the easiest joke to make in the world as well when it comes to films about space. But it's yeah. also true. JB is out of this world. And also, let's just be frank and honest. JB is also unwell at the minute, aren't you, my friend? I have a bit of a cold today. Yeah. Um, it, it hit me. I've been avoiding it for like a couple of months like my uh, daughter and her boyfriend have been sick a couple of times over the last two months and i have managed to not get sick kathy was sick at one point i did not get sick and then uh i don't know if, if you're like this but i i can feel the cold coming on like monday yep. afternoon i was in a uh, zoom meeting and i was like oh no oh no i i feel I feel a cold. Like, I'm like, maybe it's not, maybe it's just a headache. Maybe it's just a little, you know, and then Monday evening I was like, Oh no, I really think I'm getting sick. And then by the end, like right before bed Monday night, I'm like, I have a cold. And then Tuesday I was like fighting it off, fighting it off. And then by like, I don't know, six o'clock last night, it was a full blown, like congested cough. I'm like, ah, dang it. I've been pushing off and fighting it. And it just finally caught me. I usually get sick like once a year. And so uh, and I have had, I'm, I'm as vaccinated as I can be. Like I've had the flu vaccine. I've had the, the most recent COVID vaccine, uh, still got sick. Um, <laughs> although I did get the vaccines like two months ago, but nevertheless, uh, I was really hoping to avoid it. Uh, you can't forever, but you know, so I'm like, I eat healthy and I exercise, but, and that's the other thing I hate about being sick is it really, it throws a wrench into my routines. You know, like I, yeah. I didn't go to the gym, uh, last night because I was sick and I'm like, going to be respectful. I'm not going to go. I, to be fair, I probably would have like been a terrible workout anyways because I was not feeling good last night. But Yeah, but yeah. I, I feel it when it comes on early. Also, I've got the immune system of a gnat, if they even have immune systems. Um, I, I, don't, I don't get ill all the time whatsoever, but I, if, if somebody around me is ill, I'm going to get it. <laughs> that's just how it is. And that's, that's how I know if uh, somebody in my inner circle uh, has picked up an illness from, from me or anything like that because or or around me or, or anyone who's been near me because i would have got it so it's quite easy to spill any kind of accusations well they must have got it from you no, nobody got it from me because i get ill very easily hey, not not even like ill, ill just like just like a, a sniffle or a cold or a sore throat or a headache too much man the worst part is uh we're, we're recording an evening later because i uh was stuck in traffic last night i got caught it's been very wet and windy we've had a hundred mile an hour storms and winds in the uk recently I got caught in the, the, the highway for you guys, or freeway, interstate, I don't know which one's which, motorway over here. Uh, so we had to put off recording for today, and now um, the movie gods have decreed that JB is going to be ill. However, like an absolute trooper, he has, uh, a, well, he hasn't agreed, he demanded to record tonight, because that's just what kind of trooper he is. So without any further, I don't want to keep my man waiting, I don't want to keep him uh, feeling all bunged up. So let's talk about some films, which is what we are here to do. If you're new to the show, welcome. If this is your first one, we deliver non-spoiler reviews on our main episode. And every now and then we deliver a spoiler mini-sode uh, a few days later if the film warrants it or if it's one of those kind of big tentpole blockbuster films that demands it. Um, so for tonight's film, we're not doing a spoiler 
mini-sode, but we're also not going to spoil the film on here for you. Now, this is a film that w- that saw a festival run last year at Tribeca. Uh, neither JB or myself were able to see it. We did cover that festival, but we have seen it now. And we are covering ISS this week. Of course, it's short for International Space Station, but the film is just called ISS. Uh, the tale of the tape, before we discuss what we think about it, is directed by Gabriella Cowperthwaite, who is a documentary filmmaker mm. who uh, dabbles more in kind of cultural and environmental issues and social uh, issues as well. She's taken the helm here, uh, and it's written by Nick Shafir, a dude whose work I am not familiar with. And it's and the, start of the cast... For what is a low-budget film, and by that I mean it's $13.8 million budget. Nowadays, that's a low-budget film. Pretty solid cast, to be fair. You've got uh, Oscar-winning Ariana DeBose in the lead, uh, and then alongside her, Chris Messina, John Gallagher Jr., uh, Pilo Azbek, uh, and Maria Mashkova, and Costa Ronin. So lots of very, very solid actors who you've obviously, you're you going to recognise from other films and television shows out there. So, you know, a, a solid director solid cast what's the premise for this film i quite like the idea of the premise imdb says tensions flare in the near future aboard the international space station as a conflict breaks out on earth reeling the u.s and russian astronauts and cosmonauts receive orders from the ground take control of the station by any means necessary so so the u.s government the russian government they each Send a message to their own nationalities and say, take the station. We, we, we need the station. Do whatever you've got to do to get it. Okay, fine. So, what, what does the world think of this film? Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, in a minute, the critic score is 62% for this film, which, you know, for a, lo- for a low-budget space sci-fi thriller, I don't think is too bad. Is this more up the audience street? No. In fact, the audience gave this... F- 43% or have this scored at 43%. Uh, the meta score 52, IMDb user score 5.2, and letterboxed 2.7 out of 5. So, looking at that, doing a rough estimate, the average is straight down the middle, give or take your 5 out of 10 or that uh, ballpark. And if you want to see the film, it is currently only available theatrically. Like we said, it did have a festival run last year. So, some people out there who went to Tribeca or covered it and other festivals may have seen it but it's a low budget film 13.8 million dollar budget and it's currently sitting at a box office of 3.3 million dollars now maybe that's because the marketing for this film in the uk at least has been pretty non-existent you go to the theaters and there are posters up of course there are uh, but i haven't really been seeing trailers haven't really been seeing any marketing for this film and again considering it has ariana debose in, in the lead i you know you think they'd be pushing that a little bit more they certainly did at Tribeca now let's talk about what we think about said film we had a choice of a few films this week uh, mm-hmm. ISS or or Founders Day we went with ISS was it because it was the better film well uh, what I will say about ISS JB is I think it's a good film I think it's a good film I don't think it's an incredible film but I think it's a good film I'm looking at those ratings and I'm like yeah I I'd probably go more to the RT critic score, which is the 62%, or 6 out of 10, whatever you want to do that. Because I think the film is very solid in what it does. It does pretty much most things well. You know, I think the acting across the board is good. 
I think it's fine. I don't necessarily think there is a standout. I think Ariana DeBose is good. I think John Gallagher Jr. is good. I also think Pilau, uh, Pilau, uh, Pilau, Pilau Azbek is very decent as well. But I don't think there's any standouts. Uh, what, about, what about the writing? Well, we're dealing with America. We're dealing with Russia. You know, we're in a situation in reality where those two countries and others are uh, in a face-off, a political face-off and possibly worse. Uh, so this film is seems very timely. And there are, uh, of course, tensions on board. There are the film kind of touches upon uh, real world or historical Cold War feelings. Though I would say that I don't think the film really dives that far into them. And especially when you get to the end of the film, by the time the film ended, I couldn't help but feel slightly like a balloon with a little bit of the air taken out of it. I thought, ah... It, it's a bit of a safe film. That's, that's the main thing I can say. The film feels a little bit safe. Mm. I do attribute some of that to the budget. You know, there are uh, there are only so much they can do with the budget in terms of how much they can show of actual space. The one kind of real space sequence uh, is, I think, very well done, actually. Space in itself, for me, is terrifying. And if you oh, can yeah. craft a decent spacewalk scene with, with a little bit of tension, then I am in, and I'll have no shame in saying I was... Yeah, that got me. That scene I was like, man, I, I would not like to be on uh, traverse scaling the side of this space station in space with everything that's going on in the below. I thought that was very cool. The the astronaut who's played by Chris Messina, Gordon, is he has to go and uh, fix an antenna, and at the same time he can see the devastation that's being wrought on planet Earth. It's a very sobering image. The scariest part of this film is without meaning to get political or too apocalyptic is it, it doesn't seem entirely far-fetched in the world that we're, in the world that we might be hurtling towards the, in the minute in this world we are we are faced with you know three or four doors and depending on which one we pick depends on how the future is going to look so the film touches upon some social issues very well i just don't think it goes too deep into them but it's a scary thought nonetheless um and yeah, you get some action in this film it's okay I think you're going to see the theme here. Everything is okay. What I wish so, John, and I don't know if this is if if, if you would agree or not. I think the film is very. I think the film takes itself quite seriously. So it's you know, it takes its message and it takes its theme and its performances very seriously. It's not really an awful lot of room for levity once we get past maybe the first twenty five minute, the twenty five minute mark. Maybe I will say the mm. film absolutely thunders along though. It's about an it hour does. and a half long and it doesn't stop for breath. Not always in the best way. Um, but I wish I, 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 the the Russian astronauts, other than a few words here and there, you don't know really anything about them. It's even really the American ones, you know, other than a word here or there about I need to go home to see my girls, or you know, I uh, my ex cheated on me, so you know, I, I don't want any, I don't feel love. You don't really get to know much about the astronauts or cosmonauts. Okay, fine, but I don't feel feel like the film really took its time to delve into the psyche of these astronauts yeah we get one or two of them who are a little bit crazy but i don't think the film which is marketed as a science fiction thriller film i don't think it leans anywhere near into that thriller aspect as much as it mm. should have been and, I, and, I, and i'm for, for me objectively i'm going to say it should have not it could have it should have lent more into that because you've got the you've got the premise you know earth is burning You've got the the location, a very claustrophobic space station. Again, budgetary reasons for that, but I think it actually works. They did not lean into that thriller aspect enough. Um, 
and if they do- had done so, I think certain it would have been a little bit more compelling. And I think that's my main criticism of the film was it's good. I didn't feel at all uh, overly compelled as to what was going on or any of the mystery aspects. I was in, I was, I was intrigued. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't bored during this film. I just wasn't yeah. as compelled or riveted as I'd hoped I would have been. But so, you know, overall, I think it's, I think it's a decent watch. I'm, I'm okay with it. I just wish that it amped things up by another gear or two. I don't think, I don't think this film was ever destined to be the next big sci-fi smash hit. Didn't need to be, but I just kind of wish with its messaging, with its scripts and action and thriller aspect, genre aspects, kind of wish it just gone into, gone up at least a gear or two, but I'm okay with it existing. JB, I know you saw this before me. Uh, are you a yeah. fan of this or what are you thinking about this one? Yeah. I mean, I'd say middling, like three and a half out of five kind of mm. fan of, um, I think it's, confidently made i'm actually really impressed with the uh the visual effects of them moving around the space station like they're floating there and from what i read uh they they are on wires that they digitally removed but um they had tried something different with like seesaws or something uh that didn't like it just was you know not didn't look as good uh but you know obviously the cast is uncomfortable in the harnesses and whatnot but like it looks like they're floating and for a low budget movie that's impressive um I really, I like the cast a lot. Um, I do agree. I can't remember specifics right now, but I feel like there's a lot of setup with her character, uh, Ariana DeBose's character, um, that doesn't really pay off anywhere. Like, like it's her first time. It's like, okay, um, does that make a difference? Because, like, for what's happening, this is everyone's first time. Like, this is, you know, new ground. Uh, things like romance, and they, they set up the reason reason why she's there, obviously, because of what happened to her father, but it never, they just don't really seem to push it. And there's a romance between two other astronauts, which seems fairly surface level, but they want you to really believe in it. It doesn't really yeah. push it as far as I could have. But, like, and I, I just tend to love Chris Messina. Um, and the thing, he brings such an energy to a movie where you never know what side he's on like it's oh he could be the villain he could be the good guy and in a thriller that's really what you want right you want uh the trust to be on on the level that's that i think the main reason why her being new is she doesn't trust the guys on her side of the table any more than she trusts the russians because she just met both of them for the most part you know like so she's still kind of on the fence about who who can she trust who can she believe who can she put her her uh, life in you know like her safety in their hands and and be confident with that decision and i think you're right um they could definitely ratchet up the tension a little more uh it it wants the drama to be centered like it, it's very grounded for a thriller and for sci-fi you know like they want it to be this is what could happen like people aren't irrational people aren't uh, i mean people are irrational but they aren't like movie irrational you know where like something goes so haywire uh, or people go so over the top, like every decision feels very grounded in like something a person would be tormented to make, but would make, you know? Um, and I, I kind of liked that element of it. It didn't feel melodramatic or it didn't feel uh, even movie ish. It, it felt like these are intelligent people who were very civilized up until they suddenly found themselves pitted against each other but they're not soldiers. They're not warriors, you know? So like the decisions that they have to make are far more complex than what we might think if this were just soldiers for the most part. I don't know if that holds up consistently from character to character. This is a bottle movie. I tend to uh, find these when they are done with this type of pacing, very watchable. Um, You know, like, you know who everybody is, you know, where you kind of get a sense of the, uh, 
the geography of the space station. I don't think they do a terrific job with that. There's definitely times where I'm like, I don't know where they could be that they don't hear what you're saying right now. You know what I'm saying? Like there's moments mm-hmm. like that where I'm like, I don't know that I would trust speaking at the volume you're speaking at. Like, I feel like yeah. people could easily hear you. Um, especially cause I don't really understand how the geography works, but there are some really, uh, cool shots, especially you mentioned the spacewalk. Um, that sequence is incredible, especially again for a lower budget film. Yeah. It's tense. Uh, I think the cross cutting they do in that sequence works. Um, to mostly build the tension, although it does maybe go on a little long. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a very competently made film, especially uh, compared to what we've seen from 2024 so far. It's one of the Jesus. better films. Although this is, again, a 2023 film, technically speaking, it did get a official theatrical release date this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, I think the ir- irony for me, what I've been making jokes about is uh, the Critics' Choice Awards happened the week uh two weekends ago um and ariana debose had there was a joke that uh the actress from last of us was i I don't think it was her joke obviously but she said the joke where like actors need to stop trying to sing and she like throws jack black's name out there which i think is preposterous because uh jack black (laughs) in tenacious d is incredible i think peaches is terrible but not because he's singing it um ryan gosling ryan gosling can sing i don't think he's like the greatest singer, but I love him in La La Land. He sing I, in his band. He's like, he's like Mick Jagger or someone or, or any, any rock singer who they're yeah. great with their own sound, but you take them out of their comfort zone and you know, you can hear where they lack a little bit, but I, and I could, but I could listen to Ryan sing. Yeah, for sure. And then she also threw out Ariana DeBose's name. Um, and like, that's the big shocker one. Cause it's like, now again, I don't think the actress, I can't think of her name, but I don't think she was like, that was her personal opinion. I think she's reading off a teleprompter, right? Um, but it got a lot of backlash. And so I've been making a joke about this. Well, at least she doesn't sing here. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I like Ariana DeBose's the, the voice. And I, I didn't realize when I went to see this, who was in this movie. So I was like pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, Chris Messina. Oh, Ariana DeBose. Oh, John Gallagher Jr. Was in the lead then, considering she's now an Oscar winner. <clears throat> well, they, they make her very much a blank slate in this film, right? Like she's mm-hmm. kind of like her personality is a mystery that they slowly unravel, but I don't think they do a terrific job fully unraveling to make it where we care immensely about her. Like we don't want her to die, but it's also like, you know, who is this person? And I don't think that's a fault to her. I think she's fine in the role. It's just, I feel like the character is very, you know, we project ourselves onto her more than anything. Yeah, no, I I was interested because I knew she was in it because when we, when we covered Tribeca last year, I remember when we when we did our usual, uh, you know, our rundown of what's coming out. I saw ISS and was just taken by by the cast. You know, John Gallagher Jr., Chris Messina, as you mentioned, and of course Ariana DeBose uh, coming off of West Side Story. So I'd wanted to watch it, but it wasn't made available for um, the virtual access for the digital press that that we were. The remote, um, yeah, remote press access we had, uh, which we're always very thankful for. Thank you, Tribeca. But it wasn't made available. It was only it was only in screening only. Okay, fine, fair enough. So we knew about. Uh, sorry, sorry, I knew that she was in it, and I hadn't really seen any buzzer about the film in the festival or afterwards. So I kind of just assumed it it had, it had its day in the sun and it would go f- streaming. So I was surprised. I will admit when I don't know when I first knew this was coming out. Like theatrical, maybe a month, six weeks ago. I was surprised at it getting a theatrical release just because I hadn't really heard any buzz coming out of Tribeca or any of the other film festivals. But 
Uh, I was interested to see Ariana DeBose in the lead role. I think she was. Uh, I thought West Side Story, the film remake, was uh, was was decent enough. Um, but I thought she was very good in it. And yeah, to I know I'm not sure if it you know Bella Ramsey was really dunking on her seriously. I don't know. But just but come on to say to say she hasn't got a, a, a singing voice, man. I don't know. You need to get your ears checked. But no, she doesn't sing in this film. There's a spoiler for you. Well, she doesn't sing. Actually, no, it's a lie. She does sing for about five seconds under her breath at the beginning of the film to, uh, I think it's a song by the Scorpions. Um, so they, there we go. But yeah, I was interested to see how she got on. And again, I think everyone's fine in it. It's just the definition of a fine film. It's a January release. If this release, I mean, listen, the, the box office isn't lying there are very very few people going to see this film my screening was damn near empty for this it's not a criticism of the film i just don't think it you know i don't think anybody knows about it it's been put out of january had this been released in the summer i think it gets eaten alive unfortunately um i don't think it's i think it it came out of the right time of year uh and i do think like you said i totally agree though in terms of what we've had this this year already this month should i say it's one of the better films that have come out this month, considering things like Night Swim, The Beekeeper, and any other films we may have seen or, sp- or, or speaking about. But, you know, it's it's the best of a bad to mediocre bunch, though I did enjoy Society of the Snow an awful lot uh, that came out on Netflix. But, uh, yeah, so is it out of this world? No, not necessarily. It has some good visuals, some good moments, and it's a good calling card for the director. But uh, it's not the knockout that I was hoping it would be. Uh, JP, have you got anything else to add on ISS before we move on? No, I would say, though, if if you have like a subscription, especially to a theater, like this is definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah. I, I actually didn't see it in the theater. Uh, I had got a screener link because I didn't think I had got an email that this was coming out and yeah. they listed theaters near me, but they were like all an hour away. So I messaged and was like, hey, is it possible to get a, a link? And I did. And then surprisingly, my theater got it. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird because the email like listed specific theaters like in Orlando and Tampa, but not like it made it sound like it was a limited release. And apparently it's gone pretty wide because our theater has it. So um, yeah, the theaters around me and I work uh, opposite a theater um, and they have it and they, they don't. It's, it's a big chain. It's not Cineworld or anything like that or anything like that, but it's a, it's a, it's a big niche chain in the UK that only maybe runs about six or seven films at a time compared to the bigger ones, which do obviously a lot more. But I was surprised when I walked out of work and saw the dig- digital board uh, and ISS was on it. I, I, I didn't think it would come to the local, but it is getting a pretty wide release, which I think they were bank. I, I, I honestly think, and again, this isn't a rocket science, but it's distributed by Bleecker Street. I think they looked at this and thought 13.8 million. I think we can. I think we can make that back. If we can make twenty million back on this, I think we've done well. I don't think they marketed this well enough at all. The poster is great, but the poster is misleading. I will say that right now. But I, I like you, JP. I I definitely agree. It's definitely worth a watch. It's, it's ninety minutes long. It's definitely worth a watch. I think. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to go and see read what some of these critic or fan reactions yeah. to the film. I mean if you go in expecting gravity, you're going to be disappointed for sure. Cause like gravity is not only nonstop, but it's like nonstop tension ratcheting yeah. up every yeah. five seconds, you know, um, survival is definitely in question Ooh. here. I would say there's a big part of the film where it's like, well, I don't know how much survival we are. It's an interesting concept. And, uh, it's, un- yeah. And it's unexpectedly timely. Like I think, you know, assuming this started in 2022 filming, right? Like they didn't know, 
how close we could be, you know, to the the rising tensions between the two countries. No, you're right. early filming in 2021. It was on the just reading yeah. off Wikipedia here. This, this isn't in my brain, but it was it was on the blacklist. Which, for those who don't know what that is, it's the most liked or most popular unproduced screenplays that are just floating around Hollywood. So in 20, December 2020, it was included on the blacklist for that year. In 2021, in January, so not no less than a month later, LD Entertainment picked it up and um, had Gabriella Cowperthwaite attached to it. And it began filming in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, in February 2021. So just over a year after this was on the blacklist, it was in production. So Bleecker Street, uh, LD Entertainment and Bleecker Street obviously saw something in this and in the script. I don't know how much of it changed, if any, but you're right. It is kind of like eerily timely. And I think the concept is great. Some of the visuals we see in this film are so well done. I mean, like when, when they're looking out the window at the planet, it's very eerie to think, damn, you know, imagine being in that position. And I kind of wish they'd gone for that paranoia and isolation a bit more on that. Which, which makes yes. the ending even more baffling to me. But, you know, we're not going to spoil that here. But, yeah, great concept. Good film, maybe? Is that is that kind of the consensus? Yeah, I'd say it's it's definitely better than not. Um, it's, but it is, like, middle of the of the road. Okay. I, I think we can say this film is bloody decent, then, in that case. It's not there bloody awesome. It's not bloody awful. I'd say bloody decent. Right, moving on then to our next segment, Concessions of a Cinephile, where we stand around the water cooler in the local theatre, digital of course, and we have a movie-motivated conversation of any discussion, and we just we just chat for the next uh, segment. And this week there is nowhere else, nothing else to talk about than the 2024 Oscar nominations that were <coughs> released um on Tuesday morning, uh, good timing for me because it was just in the, it was in the afternoon. Uh, but the uh, the Oscars are going to be held uh, in March. The date eludes me; it's not on the article. Uh, I think but... it's the f- it's that Sunday that I'm gone at South by. So it's like the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. I think it's the tenth. That will be it'll be on a Sunday. And according to this, Jimmy Kimmel is going to host it, and it's going to start yep. at about. The, the earlier time of 4 p.m. till 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 7 p.m. till 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. So for the UK, uh, 12 p.m. till about half past three in the morning. And yes, I'll be staying up to watch it. And hopefully John Tuna and myself can have a little bit of a watch along via text about that. But let's talk about the Oscar nominations then. I love Oscar not at the time. I, I don't want to bang this drum every episode or every time we talk about it, but... I know, we know, not everybody likes or cares about awards or the Oscars. However, they're here to stay. They've always been a huge deal. I love it. Um, but let's talk, let's talk about it then. In terms of the actual uh, nominations, it's uh, we've got uh, the Killers. So Oppenheimer was the most nominated film with 13 nominations. Yep. Almost Poppins. tied for the highest ever. Yeah, uh, I'm, I don't think it's going to pull a return of the king and win them all, though. Uh, Poor Things got 11, Killers of the Flower Moon 10, and Barbie 8. I don't think there's any real controversy about those four films nabbing all of those uh, nominations. Oh, I have well, just today that there are controversy about what hasn't been nominated. Yeah, 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 exactly. But we, I mean, before we talk about 
the the nominations i'll just read out the the 10 best picture nominations because that's always the place to start when when um jack quaid and zazzy beats who uh, hosted the event which went off almost without a hitch uh the nominations announcements they always leave the best picture to last because it's the one everybody wants to hear about so we're going to talk about it first because it's the one everybody wants to hear about but the the nominations i feel like one of i'm actually on stage the nominations for best picture uh the 10 american fiction anatomy of a fall Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I have seen all of those films now, apart from two, Poor Things and The Zone of Interest. And I think, you know, I think that is a very strong 10, and there aren't too many surprises. We spoke about a film in um, this afternoon, um, off X by, off air by text that I realised didn't get the nod for best picture. But looking at though that ten, it's hard to, for me. I think it's hard to look outside of that without potentially putting any of my own personal bias on it. I think they that that ten is very solid. I can't yeah. really see any arguments with that. I'm sure the internet will tell me I'm wrong. I don't think that's a bad ten though, JB. No, I I like. I like all the movies on this list. Um, <clears throat> Anatomy of a Fall wasn't eligible for uh, international film because uh, I don't know if everyone, I, I realized this because I saw a tweet earlier today, um, but for the international film at the Oscars, every country submits one movie. Yes. And uh, France submitted Taste of Things uh, and Anatomy of a Fall is a French film. So it wasn't eligible for the international film. So getting that recognition here, I think, is great because it is a really good movie. Um, I like Taste of Things. I would have put Anatomy of a Fall ahead of it uh, myself, but they are very different types of movies. Um, And same thing. uh, I I saw someone mention that with um, they were disappointed that Godzilla minus one wasn't uh, eligible or wasn't in. Uh, best international i'm like well that's because perfect days was the japanese yeah. pick which i love perfect days so i'm excited to see that that was in the, the five international films but <clears throat> i was very much um that's one of my favorite films of the year and uh is definitely i think that was my international pick um it was. on the bampies and uh so i was very excited to see that um i was cross-referencing our bampy picks with the oscars as well and in, in terms of the best picture uh i know that uh past lives was my best picture of the year uh oppenheimer got a lot of love from both of us uh maestro got an awful lot of love from you i know you love the two yeah. main performances killers that have, killers didn't get anything from us apart from actually no, i got cinematography for me uh, uh, the I think was, was um yeah. i don't I think she was on any of our um best oh, uh, best actress she wasn't on any of them no uh, i know how much you adored the holdovers barbie we both had a blast yeah. with i thought uh, we both thought anatomy of a fool was spectacular so um, yeah, Bampy's getting a lot of nods there, but into, yeah, that, I, I was so pleased when when Past Lives got the nod. I was watching it in my car on my phone, as Nolan intended, and I was thinking, oh, pl- I, I, please, please get the nod because it's I, I, I want to see that film get celebrated. I think it could, I think it could and should have been in a few more nomin- not categories, but I was so glad when Past Lives got the nod. Now, um, the I would like to correct oh, you. On. Lily Gladstone was my runner-up for Best Actress. I'm looking at the spreadsheet. So, ah, of course. I was, okay. I was like, okay. no way. I I loved her performance. It was one of my favorite performances of the year. So I remember okay. now. Yes, because you were t- you obviously you 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 were talking about how uh, how she brought that indigenous culture and her the vibes to her role. I remember now. Yes, that is on me. JB is 
running at 75% capacity and he is still smarter than I am, guys. That's why he is a teacher and I am not. But um, I've been seeing today online or kind of yesterday, but more today online now because with the nominations, I know we'll, we'll talk about some more than a minute, but let's get the elephant out of the room. It's been going on about today. I want to know your thoughts on it, John. But um, Barbie was nominated for Best Picture. It got nominated in a host of other categories. Very, very well deserved. Ryan Gosling, our boy, our man, our crotchless king in the film, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor as Ken in Barbie. However, uh, Anna America Ferreira was nominated for Best Supporting Actress as well in Barbie. Two acting uh, nominations for Barbie. However, let's get to that point now. Margot Robbie did not make the cut for Best Actress in a Leading Role. And Greta Gerwig did not make the cut for Best Director. Now... When I see things like snubs and controversy, I always roll my eyes a little bit. But even Ryan Gosling's weighed in. He hasn't said anything too yeah. much. He just said, you know, he was he, he was very he was surprised and he was upset at the he felt of the <coughs> undeserving um, oversight by the Academy. But he obviously then congratulated America Ferreira as well. Mm-hmm. Now I think a lot of this has to be taken with context, and I don't think the internet also understands context. And by that, I mean, who are the other contenders in the categories? That's what I look at. It's not, is Margot Robbie, has she been snubbed? Has Greta Gerwig been snubbed? It's who are they up against? And can you can you help make an argument that actually the five directors and actors are just as good and just as deserving? And I'm looking at the list of the, for directors, Justine Triet, for Anatomy of a Fool, Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. And the best actress is uh, Annette Benning for Nyad. I think a lot of people are annoyed because I just haven't seen that film. Um, Ellie Gladstone, Sandra Hula for Anatomy of a Fool, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro, Emma Stone, Poor Things. <coughs> Five exceptionally good leading performances. Let's not beat around that bush. Five insanely good performances in a horribly stacked cast because I look at it and think, well, where's, where's Greta Lee for past lives? That was my choice, but I'm not yeah. here, sitting here banging the drum of a snub. And in the directing category, five directors who directed the living f- hell out of the films that they did. Now, John, is, is this a snub? Is this something which we should be getting so, upset about based on who is in those positions? I do think Margot Robbie is a snub. Um, I I think you t- replace Annette Benning in a heartbeat with Margot Robbie, and partly because I think if you're obviously the the, the Oscars is not concerned with popularity to a degree, um, oh, but well. I mean to a degree. I I think yeah, I, like yeah. blockbusters don't usually win, right? Mm-hmm. Like IP driven properties don't usually win, which Barbie is. Which it is, and you've seen that, by the way. My point was I that. Have. I think a lot of the people online who are saying who who and why is Annette Benning, I just don't think they've seen the film, but you have, so you've got that context. I do, and I don't think she's like she's always good. She's Annette Benning, yeah, right? Like that's Benning. and if this were a year where they were gonna give her like the uh the lifetime achievement type yeah. win, cool. But she's not even in the running, right? Like no one's saying, Oh, she might take this. It's either gonna be Lily Gladstone or it's gonna be Emma Stone. Those are the two front runners. Yeah, hundred percent. And so you put Margot Robbie there, one, because Barbie was a juggernaut for the industry Two, She is so nuanced in that film, you know, like she's doing so many things in that movie and like she's earned it. Like she legitimately, I think is one of the best performances of the year because she is, she is 
above and beyond just an actress at this point. Like she is one of Hollywood's icons. She's become the face of so much. And she's a hell of a producer. She is man. Like, and that's the thing she's, she's making leaps and bounds and that's, you know, to a degree, that's what they've been saying is like, uh, Barbie's nominated for the, uh, adapted screenplay. And that was a big late change, right? For, mm-hmm. they were going for original screenplay for a while. Yep. So there's some people thinking that Barbie's going to get that win. Um, in that category and that's so like that makes up for the not winning best picture because we no one's expecting it to win best picture and because gerwig wrote the script with her husband i think now husband um bombach uh that she'll get her credit there instead of directing and where it's hard to say snub is the directing pool this year in general like I want David Fincher on this list. I want you know I I don't want Ridley Scott. Not Ridley Scott. I'm sorry. Um, Michael. Wait, no, Ridley Scott and Michael Mann both had movies. That's what we have. Like iconic big name directors making big movies that have gotten other love. Ferrari got no love, but uh, Napoleon did. So like, it it would be hard to like if Gerwig was on this list, I wouldn't be upset. Of course, you know, like I, I agree could, with that. But I also I if you were to say take one off, I don't know who I would take off. Like exactly. maybe I'm expecting Nolan to win. So maybe you don't give Scorsese the nod because he's been he's won before. He's uh he's the, now he is the record holder for the most nominations of a living director, and I think he's mm-hmm. uh only two away from William Wyler's uh twelve nominations. Yeah, you're um, right. I think it's between and, those two at the minute. I know Nolan's a favorite and we're talking in betting terms here, but I don't know with, with the Oscars, it, there is always that people oh, look yeah. at J- Jamie Lee last year. People, there's always that. <laughs> I know Nolan hasn't won yet and he is, you know, about due one, but it's Scorsese man. And, and killers is a, was a very well received film. So I'm kind of, I don't know who's going to win that one. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the precursors imply Nolan, right. But like, yeah, it, it's, Mm-hmm. It's anyone's game. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Lanthimos won. It would be incredible because I'm a big Lanthimos fan. Uh, Justine Triette getting the nomination is a big thing. So is yeah. that just like acknowledging? And again, uh, not to be a dummy, Justine is a girl? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, sorry to say girl. I meant woman. Um, but I'm, point being, like in the past, this would have been five dudes. And then it's even more atrocious that Gerwig's mm-hmm. left off, especially in a movie that's about the patriarchy. Um, well, yeah, that's but so at, at least there is a female now should there only be one no of course not that's not what i'm saying at all but in the past that's been the thing like the when you see the records related to female directors oh, it's, it's atrocious you know like there's only two winners gerwig if gerwig had been nominated she would have been the first director for their first three films to be nominated for best director which well, would have been a huge fact right so is that why she didn't get it? Because they didn't want to give her that? Like, there's all sorts of ways you could read into and, and question the politics of the Oscars. And but you look at that yet, pool, man. It's th- those five directors. I know you're not saying that, but those five. Th- yeah. It's tough. I mean, like you say. It's really tough. You, you, I, I think Justin Triet did such a hell of a job with Anatomy of a Fall. I can't, I can't in, in, in all good faith say you got to take her off because, <sighs> no, I think she did so well when Greta. It's really, it's one of those ones where. Greta Gerwig just, you know, Barbie is an incredibly well-directed film. There's a lot of nuance to that film. We mentioned that about Margot Robbie's performance. There's a film on second viewing, and I watched it with my daughter the other day. It holds up incredibly well, Barbie, and there is a lot of nuance, and it's directed <laughs> so well, that film. Um, you know, the, the entire package is delivered so well. But 
I'm looking at the list and it's where, where, where do you fit everybody? And this is almost why I like that. There's only five in that, in all the categories other than best picture, because whilst this might sound really daft to some people, the fact that we're having this conversation shows what a hell of a year we're having in film where, you know, yeah. we have to pick the five. There's always going to be some people who are disappointed, who are left off. There are other categories where I thought we'd see greater representation of films who just didn't get anything. But then again, you know, I can't really complain with a lot of what we got. There's been a lot of talk about the the, the message within Barbie coming to fruition. You know, a film directed by uh, Greta Gerwig, starring Margot Robbie, produced by her. And the only recognition he gets is a man. What people are forgetting, and uh, I wish this, and I think, uh, let me get this straight off my chest now. I think that narrative, that rhetoric is absolute BS. I think it's, I think it's so, so reactive. What people should be doing is look at saying, look at America Ferreira, a Latina actress, best supporting actress, and she's up for it and she deserves to be on that list. People aren't talking about that enough. They're talking that, you know, yeah. there's, there's this kind of outrage, which, you know, anyone who knows me, I'm 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 all for the discussion, but I'm not for I'm not for the outrage. And I think this is a little bit of outrage because we should be talking about Barbie is up for best picture. Who in their right mind thinks that eight, two years ago, eighteen months ago? You've got two of his actors are up for best supporting roles. It's up for best adapted screenplay. One of the actors is a Latina woman. That is a fantastic news, and America Ferrera deserves it for her performance and well above anything else. That is not being spoken about anywhere near enough in amongst all of the kerfuffle to get read posts and likes by saying Barbie has come true. Barbie has not come true. It's just, unfortunately there isn't room for everybody. And I would have loved to have seen Margot and I would have loved to have seen Greta. And I'll tell you this for free. I expected them to have been nominated. I was, I would have laid my car on it that they would get the nomination. So I was surprised that they didn't. But I don't think there's any kind of, you know, secret society thing going on in the background. I just think we've got, had an incredibly strong year for performances. And I think we should be celebrating um, the wins. For example, America Ferreira, Ferreira getting nominated. But um, well, it, okay, maybe we get a, a tie for Best Picture with uh, Barbenheimer being. Can you, know, you like imagine? It comes, comes to fruition. Uh, it, Can it, you it, imagine? It, it melds what's the uh, uh fuse it fuse the fusion between the two films um that's Ooh, a good Oppenheimer nuclear reference. pun there so <laughs> uh, well, the in terms of the uh the other acting uh performances uh best actor in a leading role bradley cooper for maestro coleman domingo for rustin paul giamatti for the holdovers uh rhino from spider-man uh killian murphy for oppenheimer and jeffrey wright for american fiction and for supporting sterling k brown american fiction uh, Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, RTJ Oppenheimer, Gosling, as you mentioned, and Mark Ruffalo getting another uh, nomination at the Oscars for Poor Things. And so what do you think about those uh, noms? I, I have no issues with any of those. Um, yep. I think, you know, like there's definitely people left off. Uh, I think De Niro was maybe a surprise for a lot of people, um, especially Charlie Melton had a, a big push for a little bit and then May December is just like not in this for the most part. Um which is wild because a lot of people saw that. A, I think that's where, where we say that the Oscars doesn't always vote with popularity. I think that is. I mean, look, I think even um, uh, he, he, he was so good in the film. I can't remember his name now, which is shameful. Uh, really Delton. good. No, in Killers. Um, uh, turns up three quarters of the way through and 
beats oh, everybody. Jesse Plemons. Jesse, Jesse Plemons was far better. And I don't mean that as a knock on De Niro. Uh, yes. I think he's De Niro is good in the film, but like DiCaprio, I don't think who also didn't get nominated, who didn't get nominated. I think it's his best performance. And I don't think De Niro. Yeah. I think there are other out there and this is subjective, but I do think there are others out there who were, you know, maybe more deserving, but he's in there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to join in any of the outrage of which I don't like. I just thought I was surprised when he was nominated, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised. Well, I we're not going to read every single category that this is out there. If you want to see like all the nominees for everything, yeah. but um, we we mentioned the two that like were even if you're not upset, like people are upset about Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. But there was two really pleasant surprises on the best animated feature nominations. Oh, yeah. um, so real fast, The Boy and the Heron nominated. Everyone knew that was going to be nominated. It's a big movie. It's a Studio Ghibli film. It's probably Hayao Miyazaki's last film. Uh, we knew Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse would be nominated because it's it's one of the best films of the year, my favorite film of the year. Um, and then uh, Elemental, we expected Disney that. Pixar film to make it, and Disney's film, Wish, was not going to make it. Uh, I, I still think that film's better than a lot of people are giving it credit, but I, I don't think it's worthy of an award. Uh, I like Elemental. In there instead. Yes, I agree. I also would put TMNT over Elemental in a heartbeat, but I you know, it's that prestige thing. You, you expect Disney to get the nod and it did. I was not expecting, even though it was on my list, uh, Nimona to get the recognition that it got, especially because it's a Netflix, uh, release. Um, that was almost dumped. Like Disney had this and they dumped they it. Dumped him. And, uh, so I was super stoked that Nimona got it. Not to mention K play did the song at the end in the credits for T-Rex, <laughs> who's my favorite musician. So it was like double whammy for me. I'm like, yes, awesome. And also the representation in Nimona is incredible. Yep. Um, plus Riz Ahmed, who's one of my favorite actors working is, is in it. And I'm just like, come on, man, this is movies made for me. Um, plus it's medieval sci-fi. Like it's the weirdest like combination that just works. Uh, love it. Um, and then uh, Robot Dreams, which was a film that Big Tuna had gotten, like I'd been waiting and waiting. It was in the neon box. It's an incredible, mostly silent film, uh, a robot and a dog, best friends. And it is loving and sweet. And the animation is incredible. And it's a small, independent animated film. It's not from a studio. It's not from anything. I forget what country of origin it's from, but it's it's not an American film. Uh, but incredible. If you get a chance to see Robot Dreams, especially now that it's got an Oscar nomination for Best Animated Feature, check it out. It's inc- it's so good. It's so impressive, too. The animation looks incredible in that film. Uh, none of those have a, ch- a chance. I'd say it's down to Boy and the Heron or Spider-Man. I think uh, wins. It sounds like Heron's going to win, which is heartbreaking for me, but I also, like, I love how, even if even if Boy and the Heron's not my favorite animated film of the year i still really liked it and i i want to see it again because i think that i think those movies tend to pay off multiple viewings um yeah. but um, i think and- we were um i was because i remember text you i text john with a word i cannot say on air because we are pg when I, I was coming out of the lift elevator work on my lunch break and it just dawned on me i was like oh across the spider verse didn't get nominated for best picture when it was your best picture of the year, it was my second best picture of the year. Um, it, it was by far one of the best films of the year. It's you know it's in the animated feature, and if it wasn't for the boy and the heron, I think it wins it by a landslide. Despite the fact I loved Nimona, um, but I'd actually kind of just assumed, similar to like Greta and Marco in their respective categories, I just assumed Across the Spider Verse would get the nom for best picture because it was great, and it just it kind of dawned on me today that it didn't, and. Which is a shame because I think it really should have done because I think it was an insanely, insanely good bit of storytelling. But it is inanimated. 
but I'm I'm so torn, John. I love Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. This is purportedly his final film with the boy and the heron. Like you, I think I don't think it's the strongest Ghibli film, but I think it's still heartfelt. It's heart wrenching. The score is incredible. I wish we'd seen a yeah. um, Joe. No, he's actually get a nod, but he didn't. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Boy and the heron wins. I think it's the Lifetime Award, I think it's going to be, which is a shame because that would then mean Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse pretty much gets left with nothing. Awards don't make a film great, of course, but we like to see them get the recognition. But it is a tough one this year. Do you go against Miyazaki? I can't. can't. Yeah, I would have liked to see both of those films in original score also. Um, I think both would have been deserving. Uh, Like, uh, yeah. And the best original song, I was a little thrown. I like, I liked Flamin' High, and our our friend Alejandro, uh, who we've we've reviewed two of his movies um, on this podcast. Uh, he's in Flamin' High, yes. um, very small part, but he's in it. And uh, like, it's crazy watching a movie and be like, hey, I know him. I've talked to him. I've like, I've <laughs> interacted with this guy. Um, but their song got on me, which no no shame. I was just surprised because the movie came out so early in the year. Yeah. And I hadn't re- like I'd seen the song on a list, but the list was like gigantic, so I wasn't expecting it to to get there. And there it is. And apparently, though, I saw this on a I think a Reddit post that Diane Warren it's like her fourteenth nomination and she's never won. So like someone said, maybe the Oscars are just like trolling her, like they give her a nod <laughs> and then don't give. Can it you to imagine? Her. Can you? But like, like, but the best part of the the thing is, I think I think the Oscar will go to Billie Eilish. Uh, for what was yeah, I made probably. for from Barbie. But we are going to get that live performance of I'm Just Ken at the Oscars. I, I hope they get Gosling up to sing it. Uh, there's a chance they might not do it. Maybe they'll get Simu Liu or somebody else up there to do it. But I hope Ryan Gosling is up there singing. I'd love to see him win Best Supporting Actor. I think it's between him and, just saying that, you say him and RDJ, but you just don't know. He, he got yeah. the biggest pop when his name was announced in the nominations, but of course that means nothing. But I think I think Barbie's going to win in best original song. But I think it'll be what was I made for. <laughs> but I, and again, I, I'm not angry with that. We're, we're upon second viewing, hearing that song again, it fits so beautifully yep. within the film, and it's a great song. Um, yeah, and the, 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 there wasn't really that many surprises. Otherwise, you know, there was a few things I expected. Um, I saw things like Napoleon was in best visual effects. That did surprise me a bit. I would have stuck in the but, just for the incredible deep fake. But um, we got Zilla minus one. Godzilla minus well that was great. I saw the reaction of the 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 studio, the, the production studio behind that, who still stayed up to watch it, and they that just their celebration, the purest um, outpouring of joy. I absolutely adored seeing that, and um, it, it, we also also mentioned that John Williams got his fifty fourth Oscar nomination for wow. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And whatever people think about that score or the fact that. You know, similarly to Spielberg or certain other directors, if if John Williams is on the scene, his name his name's on the nomination list at least. But heck, I I like the the score for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but I don't think it was particularly memorable. I don't think it's one of Williams' strongest. And again, we've we're already looking at. Um, I would have liked to have seen and John the Boy and the Heron in there for Joe Hisaishi or yeah. Across the Spider Verse. I think they could have. Um, uh, I think they would have been very well deserving, but you know, I love John Williams. The guy's 91. I'd, you know, I love to see him getting all the praise he deserves. I don't think he's going to win this one, but I, uh, you know, I, I love to see it as the kids say, but other than that, I don't think there's really too many other surprises and that everybody would have their opinion on that. But I know I'm, I was fairly 
super happy with what I saw. I, t- I messaged John about it, and it's only in hindsight when I realised that Spider-Verse didn't get nommed. But my favourite film, Past Lives, is up for a Best Original Screenplay. It's up for Best Picture, so I'm pleased about that. JB's Best Film is up for Best Animated Feature, so and the Bambi's getting a bit of love. But um, any, sorry, about, just about those noms then, JB, are there, is there anything else in there which stood out to you <coughs> or you wanted to mention or any, any wild cards we should be looking out for? Is Bradley Cooper going to win Best Actor now? Uh, no, he's not. Um, it, it it's looking. I mean, obviously, we don't know, but the precursors look pretty heavy. Oppenheimer's is is, is going to get a lot of the awards. So, yep. <coughs> excuse me. That's okay. Hey, um, you've done well to yeah, hold out this long. We'll talk about this next thing in a few minutes, but yeah, that's all I got for the Oscars. I mean, like you said, it's it's mostly what we expected uh based yep. on the precursors there wasn't too many surprises but the ones that were were big so yeah uh, i cannot wait for for march to come around uh so i can see who's won and we can all get very excited about our favorites winning and we can all commiserate each other uh for our favorites not winning and then we can all get on with our lives happy in the knowledge that they just exist and looking forward to yeah like i said hopefully joining in the conversation with the bamp brigade uh, but let's move on then from the Oscars to media consumption. In this segment, we talk about the movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, whatever we've used to pass the time since our last recording. JB, what have you been checking out since the last show? So not as much as, as usual again, because I just have a lot going on. But um, uh, two of them I'm going to mention I can't talk about yet because I'm still under embargo. Ooh. But the underdogs, Ooh, damn. Uh, which is a new uh, like... It's of the '90s era sports movies, um, with but with Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dogg, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, can't say much about it, but my review will be up at Disappointment Media uh, the day the I think the day before the movie drops on Prime, and then um, okay. I caught Scrambled, uh, which was a ooh, um, I want to say it was at TIFF last year. It was somewhere last year. Like it, it played festivals last year. Um, it's getting a small theatrical run next week, I think. And, uh, I caught that on a link. Um, still can't talk about it, but my review will be up at Disappointment Media in a week or so. So, um, but, uh, then, um, for a blank check, uh, they're covering Barbara Streisand's film. So I watched Yentl for the first time. Have you ever seen Yentl? I have not seen Yentl. Uh, I, it's one of those things. I wasn't really enjoying it while I was watching it, but by the end of it, I was like, one mad respect for this movie. Like it's, it's pretty, it's a musical, which I like musicals. A lot of times I don't necessarily like the format of this one. Um, like a lot of the songs are in her head. And while that makes it more believable, because it's not like everyone just knows the song. It also is like, it's not as entertaining, I think as a regular musical in that way. (coughs) Um, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and Mandy Patinkin's awesome in it. Um, apparently, horrible like on set but like really good in the movie um then uh they're doing the terminator films on the patreon episodes they're doing commentary uh i have not watched the terminator the first one in a long time it's been a long time and so i rewatched that and uh it's a good movie did you know that matt uh terminator I've, good movie i've heard i've heard that uh, i don't know who the lead actor is but i heard he went on to do big things i will say what i am most impressed with is the, all, so much of the setup of of uh Oh man, what Sarah Connor's character in that first movie and how they pay it off in the second film is really impressive. Like there's a lot of like you it it's it feels impossible either one Cameron already had two planned out 
or more likely he actually is one of the few writers who like looked back at the first year and was like, okay, yeah. well, here's what we set up. Here's how we pay it off. Cause I feel like a lot of times sequels just rehash the first movie. And there's so much about her character, especially because she's like, you know, she's not a soldier. She's not in the first movie. She's just, it's a slasher film really. Yeah. Um, so I was, it was really great rewatching that. And same reason I watched awesome powers, international man of mystery, because not too long ago, blank check did those films on their Patreon episodes. And I've been wanting to rewatch it. And the movie's still funny, dude. I've I've always enjoyed the first Lost Powers film. Um, it's it's impressive to me how good Elizabeth Hurley is in that movie. Because she's not generally thought of as a good actress, but I think she's good in that film. And, uh, man, there's so many good jokes in that. It, they don't all work, and sometimes the scenes feel like they could have been cut a little shorter. But overall, I just find that movie to be a blast, and I really enjoy it. Uh, how can you not love the Austin Powers films? It's eminently quotable Oscar, yeah. uh, mike myers absolutely nailed it uh, he didn't always nail the roles after that but he did on that one um terminator though i am uh i, I i'm i'm of the belief I, I i'm i'm in camp t1 above t2 t is great oh wow don't get me wrong t2 is great but i love i just love the terminator like i said it's it's a, it's a horror film <laughs> for all intents and purposes and i i, I, I don't know there's something about like the sleaziness of it all like the Obviously, the, the music—I know they carry that over, but just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lower budget. It's the way it's made. Uh, there's something about it; it just feels inherently a little bit smaller. I know. I thought I, uh, I like that. Uh, It's—it's kind of your alien aliens almost. You know, which one do you prefer? I don't know. T two maybe for most people is more of a runaway winner, but if I had to put one on now, I'd probably stick the Terminator on. But don't get me wrong; I'd really, really enjoy Terminator two as well, my friend. Yep, and uh, last thing I saw, it was in theaters. <laughs> a new horror m- movie that was almost the, the movie of the week. Um, I'm almost wondering if it needs to be next week's movie because uh, I just realized that the movie I had on the list for next week is nowhere near me, so I can't see Ooh. it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not even sure it's still coming out. I can't find it. Like It doesn't look like it's playing anywhere. But um, anyways, I saw Founder's Day. Um, yeah, it, It's not good. But I thought it was better than Night Swim, so <laughs> yeah. When that's the biggest praise you can offer, uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that 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 kind of says it all, doesn't it? About Founders Day. Um, well, I, I I too saw Founders Day, JB, and um, it's not good. It's better than Night Swim, <laughs> is what I can say about that. But yeah, Founders Day, I thought was it's it's not a good film. It's it, it, it just isn't very particularly well done. It, it throws the horror tropes at the wall, but it, it, none of them work particularly well. It doesn't it feels cheap? It doesn't. It's just not a particularly great film. It has not done anything to quell the fear that January is a dumping month for horror films and for film in general. And when we said up top that ISS is the best of a one of the best of the kind of mid range bunch to to awful. It's better than I uh, Night Swim. It's better than Founder State. It's better than Beekeeper. It's it, you know it's slow hanging fruit to be fair there. But yeah, Founder State I thought was uh, I don't think it's very good at all. Uh, in terms of what I've listened to, I listened to Dead Meat podcast, um, the horror show as well, a Nightmare and Elm uh, Film Street. I always get that mixed up. Nightmare and Film Street and Double Toasted on uh, YouTube. Uh, Founder Day, didn't like that. I rewatched The Exorcist Believer because I have it on Blu-ray. And I needed to watch a good horror film, John. So I put that one on. And I mean, I, I refuse to listen to anyone, even my good friend, John Burke, if they ever dared say Founders Day or Night Swim is a better film than Believer because 
They are not better films than Believer. I want all those people last year saying, oh, Believer is the worst film I've ever seen. It's the worst horror film I've ever seen. To so go watch Night Swim, go watch Founder's Day, and look me in the eye and say, oh, okay, actually, yeah, those films are better. Because I will not, I will not have it. Listen, I know Believer's not great. I enjoyed it. It's not a great film. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not upset it got snubbed for the Oscars, but there are there have been three two horror films released in the last few weeks which have been significantly worse than that um and also jb i've been playing wwe 2k23 on the ps5 now it all came about as a uh kind of a last minute thing really i uh i, I subscribe to a film rental a, a game rental service so i pay i know 10 or a month 12 bucks a month and I can rent up to two games a month for the PS5, and I can keep them for as long as I want, as long as I keep paying that monthly subscription. Or if I finish playing the game, I don't like it, I can send it back within that month, and they'll send me whatever is on my li- next on my list back. Now I had, s- yeah, and with this thing, you have a wish list, so you can put as many games as you want on the wish list, and but you rank them in order of priority. Which game game do you want to be sent first? <coughs> and of course, they then send them out based on your order of priority, and also based on availability because it's a fairly big service um so i had you know the last of us 2 remastered which only came out uh four or five days ago because i really want to play that game again i had that at the top of my list i had uh, a few other games above wwe 2k t3 which i didn't even realize was on my list so imagine my surprise when i got an email saying this is this game's been dispatched i wasn't even i don't even know when the hell i put it on my list because um nothing again because uh, like i've said in the show before you know, I used to love wrestling way back in the day, the Attitude Era and maybe the beginning of the Ruthless Aggression Era. But after that, I've kind of fallen off and JB's mentioned wrestlers' names before and I just don't know who they are. Uh, so one of the things I had to do very quickly was look at the roster. And I'm like, right, who's, I know who you are. I know you don't know who you are. I know, you know, I, I, I've heard of most of them, but I don't know, you know, the heels and the faces, the goodies, the baddies and what they, what they do. So I had a quick crash course on that. But at the end of the day, I thought, who cares? Let's just have it. Let's just play some wrestling, man. Let's have some fun. Let's let's play some no holds barred matches. Let's get some tables out. Let's play some ladder matches. And I was having a good time with it. It took me a a little while to understand the controls, and I'm re- I'm not even entirely au fait of them now. Um, but I'm having some a lot of fun playing it, John. I think the I love the entrances. I like the I think they've captured the feeling very well. Um, I looked at the create creator mode. And it's overwhelming how much you can do on that. It's like yeah, it's really overwhelming, isn't it? Because I was looking, thinking, oh, here you go. J- JB made the Bant Boys last year. I thought oh, maybe I'll jump on and do the Bant Boys. And I went to the creator section, and there's like eight subsections of what to do, including things like you create your own Titantron video, the video that plays as a superstar walks out, um, which you don't have to, but if you want to, you can. And all these other things. And I thought, oh my God, uh, I don't think I've got seven hours to create one character. But I will get around to that soon. You've you've played it, JP. Um, yeah, I bought it when I it was the first game I got on PS5. Actually, is there because there used to be this functionality, and I, know, I think certain other games do. Can, is, can you still? I don't know if you have to do it on your PC on your WWE account, but is there still the the the, the facility where you can upload a photo of yourself and it uses yeah. that? You can do that. You can. Yeah, yeah. I, I did that. not do it for this game, but it is through their the two K. Like 2K, you have to sign in yeah. to the 2K website and all that, but mm-hmm. you I definitely can. Now. Yeah, a lot of people are really creative. Like you can download other people's creations yeah. and stuff. Like people will replicate. Um, I speaking of video games, I had forgotten, but part of your Christmas present, I ordered you Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Cowabunga Collection 
What? And it says it was delivered, but it sounds like you never got it. I I never got the I never got that because I would have died if I'd got that. Yeah. So somewhere, someone has stolen um, a game I, that I one hundred percent have not got that game. Because I, I was like, wait, I forgot all about it. It was supposed to have arrived on uh, January fourth because it was delayed. Jesus Christ! Um, three weeks ago. Well, I can yeah so, say now with confidence because because the other items you very kindly got me my Ghostbusters apparel. I saved it for the show and made it a big reveal that I'd got them. Um, uh, so no, I definitely haven't got that game. Yeah, I will start the process um, of trying to get it. Well, I appreciate you back, but doing in the first yeah. place, my friend. Uh, if if you can sort it out, great. If you need to get a refund, you do that, my friend. But I I can I have not got that game. And if I did, I would have been shouting from the rooftops about that. But, um, yeah, no, I'm going to have a go on the 2K23 creator engine. I had a look, I was watching on YouTube because I know a lot of um, <coughs> channels do this, but I know Dead Meat did it. They do a every year well, for, the, for the last two years, have done a horror movie Royal Rumble where they pit 30 famous horror characters against each other in a random event and then they commentate over it. And it's very entertaining. It's on the YouTube channel. Very, very cool. Second year they've done it this year. And, I know that Chelsea, who is uh, one of the co-hosts of the show, actually creates the characters from scratch. And I don't know how I don't know how she has all the time in the world to do them because they look great. You know, they look great. Uh, and now I've just had thirty seconds in the creator mode and tapped out. I don't know how people have got the patience, but I did have a look at the ones that you could download. And my the only thing that annoyed me was there's like fifty four thousand on there, and it took a little while for that screen to load up just because there's so many. Um, well, I'll have another look later on and I might have a look at my 2K account when we finish this and see if I can up- upload a picture of my face and John's face and you know get the new tag team champions um, on on the game. But no, I'm enjoying it so far. I've been playing uh, as a couple of characters. I've been, um, I've been playing in the men's division and the women's division. Um, and in the men's one, I've been... I don't even remember what I've been playing as. Uh, again, I'm just, I'm just doing like the the play facility, not, not necessarily in the, 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 the career mode just yet, but I've been playing, I think I played as Randy Orton. Um, oh, nice. I think I played as, uh, Ray Mysterio junior. Cause I was like, Oh, I like Ray Mysterio. I wonder what his kid's like, or his, I'm assuming this is kid and, um, somebody else. And yeah. in the women's, uh, uh, division, I've been playing as Oscar. Um, so mm. having a good time with that. I got disqualified for spewing green mist in someone's face. So I didn't realize, I would get disqualified for that, but I did. But I'm having a good time with it, John. So maybe next week I'll be able to game. give you some more updates as to how the Bant Boys are getting on. Also, I don't know if you ever played uh, any of the wrestling games on Nintendo 64. Oh, God, yes, I did. No mercy. You, you might yeah, want to try uh, AEW's Fight Forever. Um, you might want to add that to your rental list because it is... Basically, they took like the way the game felt and updated the graphics, but it's AEW has uh, some big WWE guys are in it, um, like mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy's there, Chris Jericho, um, but mostly you're not going to know any of the people, but it's going to feel like you're playing uh, the old school 64 games. It's not a perfect game, but if you're just renting it, totally recommend checking out. It's a, it's pr- the learning curve is a lot smaller, too, because WWE, there's so many things you can do. Like It's, it's really? real, like you said overwhelming not even just getting into the game modes like because there's different like you can do like a manager mode where you run a show or you can do the creative player mode where you're like leveling him up or whatever like there's so many things aw is much more scaled down it's just like here's the matches boom do what you got to do 
um, which is good and bad. Like, obviously, people like features when you're paying for a game. But I got AEW for 20 bucks around Christmas time, so I was, like, super happy with that purchase. But, like, if again, if you're renting it, I'd say it's, uh, you know, going to give you some nostalgia feels for sure. Man, I remember playing No Mercy back in the day. I used to play the living hell out of that game with my buddies. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I, I made the. I, I played a ta- my final thoughts, and I played a table, a table match. You know, you got put them through the table to win, and yep. somehow I set the table on fire. I was like, "This is great!" Uh-huh. And yep. then I lost a fight because I didn't know how to put anyone through the table. I was grappling, and I just didn't know what to press. I was like, "Why? Why is it not working? Why can't I just pick somebody up and put them on the table and then like elbow drop them? I couldn't do it." And then I, you I can realized do that. that if, if you, I, I know, I, I know now because if I, all I had to do is press the the start button and it gives you the controls and it would and it told me how to do it, but I didn't know that, so I got power bombed through the table and lost. But um, tonight I'm going to revenge that defeat because I know how to do what to do now. But um, yeah, no, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it was a pleasant surprise when it came through. It was a bit of a nostalgia hit just getting the game. So yeah. I've played a wrestling game for nine or twenty years, um, and I, I'm very much enjoying it. So I'm going to play again tonight. I'll get the bad boys on there. And um, that will be it then for our media consumption this week. We didn't even talk about films. We talked about video games for the most part, which is a rarity, but a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one on the BAMP. <laughs> now, uh, y- if you guys know the score, you know what the show's called. It's called the, it's not called the Mediocre Movie Podcast. It's called the Bloody Awesome mo- ow, Movie Podcast. And in order to maintain the levels of Bloody Awesome, we've been bringing you guys for seven years almost. We, too, need to stay bloody awesome. Now, John, I know you're under the weather. But how have you been yeah. saying bloody awesome this week? Well, I'm wondering, Matt, I wrote on our shared notes, making jam. I had no idea. Yeah, okay, good. So, <laughs> Matt, it's tied to yours, actually. Uh, we were talking, and I am a big fan of grunge music. Yeah. But I have a, a very, I would say, a hot take um, compared to a lot of the world. And that is, I don't think Pearl Jam's good. Um, and take a lot of people... Pack put Pearl Jam at number one, right? Like people are like Pearl Jam's the best. And I'm like, no way. Nirvana's the best. And then Alice in Chains for me, Soundgarden's third. I I don't even love Stone Temple Pilots, but bef- I would normally put them ahead of Pearl Jam. And obviously there's other grunge bands, but those are like the big five, right? Like those yes, are the big yeah. five. The original um, OGs. And uh so when we were having this kind of back and forth, jokingly uh, texting each other, because I don't want to spoil yours, but Matt was going to a concert where a band was going to be playing some cover songs of Pearl Jam. And I was like, ugh. And uh, we went back and forth a little bit, and I admitted I had never actually listened to a full album. Especially growing up in the 90s, if you didn't like the radio songs, you wouldn't go buy the album. Absolutely, yeah. That's the only source of music then. Yeah, but now I don't have a reason not to listen to the full albums. Um, so I've listened to uh, 10 Vitality Versus. Damn. And I think one more Pearl Jam album. Uh, because Yield. if I'm going to talk trash, I must have this. Like like with me in movies, I, I've seen a bunch of movies so that I can uh, you know intelligently have an opinion. Um, and uh, my band, that's not there. I say that like we're still playing. We haven't played together in, in a long time. Uh, almost good lord almost 20 years um this that's not my last band but it was my first big successful band and we're (laughs) still we're talking about like recording some music remotely and things like that but um they were all pearl jam fans i knew that going in so as soon as i decided i was going to do this i messaged them was like favorite pearl jam album um and all of them said 10 they all think 10 is the best which 10 has the one song that i really use as my like I think Jeremy got overplayed so much as a, when I was a kid that I can't stand it anymore. Like I think Jeremy is an obnoxious song, 
Um, but 10 is a good, it's real up tempo. Like a lot. I actually did like versus a lot. Versus is what I started with. I think you said that's your favorite. Uh, it's not my favorite, but it's, oh. when I was talking about, again, uh, I'm gonna let you finish. But when I was talking, obviously Eddie Vedder, his voice is what gets a lot of people's backs up. But um, again, I'll, I'll let you answer this yourself. But for me, obviously 10 has the, the, the you know, like the, 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 the tight jaw songs. vocal. But I would also say, listen to the Brendan O'Brien 2010 remastered version of that album. It strips back all of that reverb. And it's just straight up rock. Um, versus, he's starting to move away from it. But by the time we get to Vitalogy, there's much less of the 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 tight tight jaw voice and more of actual Veda, I'd say. But um, I don't know what my favorite Pearl Jam album is. I might say Vitalogy because I go back to that one quite a lot. But I I, I generally enjoy pretty much all the albums. <coughs> Ten is the classic, of course, because you know it came out not long after Nevermind, outsold Nevermind at the time as well. But obviously, we know which one had the greater cultural impact, but I don't know what my favorite well, one is, John. It's a tough one. My, my uh, friend and old drummer, I won't say his name. Cause I don't know if he wants his name on a podcast, but mm-hmm. um, he, uh, he, he was, he gave me the longest response in a good way. Like he just was like, he's really into like the unreleased tracks that like, I guess like from concerts and stuff, like there's yep. just some really cool there's stuff. So many. Um, but he, I think all three of them were in agreement that uh, pretty much after Vitology, it's crap. And that um, Vitology um, has really great songs, but also some really bad songs on it, which that was definitely a vibe I got listening to that album. There's a few songs I'm like, this is terrible. Um, I can't think of what song, but uh, there, I did. There are some I, throwaway ones towards the end. I will say, for the last couple of years, if Pearl Jam came on the radio, immediately hitting the button, changing the song, you know? <laughs> um, and I don't feel that way now, except for Jeremy. I still don't want to listen to Jeremy ever again. I, I think I heard that song too many times. The video, so to be fair, I was probably like 10 when that video dropped. And like, I shouldn't have seen that video because that video is traumatizing. The subject um, as well probably hits close to home. Right, right. So like, there, again, that's not a criticism of the, the band or anything in that way. But I, for me, like, I don't want to listen to that song. So that song's out for me. But I, I did like 10 a lot. I also really like Versus. Um, the, and 10, it's insane how many singles are on that album. It's just like, like, never mind. Also, like, when you listen to Nevermind, you're like, wow, like, half of these songs are singles. Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, Even Flow, when, when Even Flow comes on, bam, bam, yeah. like, come on, you got it, you're yeah. punching the air. But so, Matt, uh, I, I'm saying, I, I did the, I went back and I, I, you know, I righted a wrong. I was like, I can't make such a bold statement if I haven't given them a full chance. And I have not listened to all of their music, but I have listened to the three albums that were basically uh, unanimously from people whose music opinions I very much respect. If you were to tell me like, I need to listen to yield or whatever, because that's their great album. I will listen to it because I will respect your opinion as well. It's very good, but they, they were very much like you can stop after the first three. So see, see, I don't subscribe to that, but again, I've, you know, I've loved same as Nirvana. I've loved Pearl Jam since, what am I? How old am I now? I remember listening to Nirvana. I remember it smells like Teen Spirit. Of course, was I think it might actually been Lithium. I'd heard Teen Spirit as a kid. You know, everyone had heard Smells Like Teen Spirit as a kid. You just did. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think Lithium was the first song I kind of reheard when I was introduced. When I was kind of discovering music by myself, like ninety seven, maybe ninety eight, maybe. So not even long after Kurt had passed away. Um, that's when I was like, and that's when I had um, what was it called, Winamp music player and stuff like that. I was listening to stuff yep. on my uh, computer and Lithium, and then obviously Teen Spirit and a whole of the Nevermind album, and suddenly just being introduced to this music, it was incredible. And then Pearl Jam. Uh, as well were live uh, was the first one i heard probably to no surprise so i've been i've been a pearl jam fan now for nearly 30 years or so 
uh, and I still haven't seen them live, which is a shame. But I would I would say that, like a lot of people, uh, bands, you know, some, some, a lot of their better stuff, or no, it's not better stuff, but then their kind of newer stuff uh, or kind of mid stuff, mid noughties, not and stuff, is, is is no worse than anything they've put out before. It's just Pearl Jam have, are, have always been a band for the fans. I don't mean to turn this into a music conversation, but they've always been a band for their fans, and they make and they have started making music for. <laughs> the people who follow them. And that's not to say the songs aren't good because they're great, but they've, they ever since the whole Ticketmaster thing in the nineties, um, where they fought for Ticketmaster to abolish booking fees and they lost somehow, um, which meant all of the, all of, we have to pay these ridiculous tickets prices. Um, you know, they, they now focus on writing just great songs. It's not about singles and selling singles anymore because the music landscape's changed. It's about creating great albums. And I think that's what they're doing. Um, and also, if they, they they do this insane thing, they did it before where every live gig they ever did, they did a live bootleg, so fans didn't have to go online to get crap ones. They they could buy their the gig in you know in in PA recorded quality. You know they do so much for the fans and attend clubs and everything. It's fantastic. I don't, listen, I get people might not like them, but I'm very glad. I'm very I'm very pleased, though, JB, that you took the time out to at least listen, and at least now you've got you got you can say. I like that, that, and that. I dig it. Some of it's still rubbish, but I, I, I wanted to listen to a bit more JB and 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 hear the uh, evolution of Vedder's voice. It doesn't get Eddie Vedder than this. The voice has oh. got so much better. I know. Sorry, the voice has got so much better, so much stronger, so much raw through as he got older. He's just grown into his voice, and I think he's just grown into himself a bit more. Um, but I mean, I, I, I can list every, loads of albums, but I, you know, I love the Lightning Bolt album. I think Binaural is a very good album. Uh, the self the self titled Pearl Jam album, like twenty two thousand six, I think is very good. Uh, Yield is good as well. No, no code as the one where I think I look at and be like, that's okay. That one kind of that one came after Vitalogy and kind of stopped their winning kind of run. It's a, it's a good solid rock album, but it's not quite as muscular as the other ones. But no, you know, code's fine. Um, and and the newest one is is pretty good as well. But you know, I think there's some if the albums as a whole, you were, I think you'll find JB. I'm confident that if you listen to all of the all of the albums, I think your consensus would be every album has a couple of really really strong songs, and then there are some which aren't so strong. Yeah, you know, there's some which aren't great, and I'd be happy if that was what you thought, JP. I'll take that all day long. So you now, one day I hope you can listen to all of them, but uh, I'm oh, very I mean, surprised that you managed that the, you did listen to the them. Be- the beauty of Spotify, though, right? Like that, it's it's 100%. literally at your fingertips if you want it, and it's something I I, I try to do that more often. Yeah, because there were so many albums I wanted to get when I was a kid, but you know they were thirteen, fourteen dollars an album, so you only got a couple. And most you don't of the know if they're any good or not, even if you love. <clears> the and band. you don't know, yeah. Um, especially if you're like not super feeling the band, like I like I was day one, I was at like release days for bands that I loved. Yeah, but if it was a band that I was on the fence about, I was like, well, I'm not going to invest in an album. Uh, not for full price, at least. And I mean, I say that, but I like, I bought like Presidents of the United States of America based off of Peaches, you know. And yeah. I, I'll hold, I'll hold true that the album still slaps. Uh, but, um, but yeah, you know. So, but this all comes back to what your bloody awesome was. What, what did? You, how are you saying bloody awesome? It's all come full circle. Well, um, I was working this weekend, JB, which isn't bloody awesome, uh, and it was busy as well, which is really annoying. Uh, but I. Uh, I, I took a trip to a city called Southampton down in the south of England, about an hour away um, on the coast. Beautiful place uh, to see a tribute band, John. And I, I, I don't really like tribute bands. I'm not really, in, I'm not really here for tribute bands. Not, and there's nothing wrong with tribute bands. If anyone lis- listening is a uh, musician, tribute band, nothing against them. But I find sometimes, you know, I'd rather see the real thing. 
because you know you can try too hard to be that said thing but this tribute band jb was called nirvana uk so there's an issue there because i can't see the real okay. band ever um yeah and I, I i'd seen i think it is out of curiosity i don't know how it came up on my youtube recommendations nirvana uk live and loud or something like that i thought what the hell is this I'm in, a, I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood where I'm going to just watch that and just see, oh man, I'm going to see what this is all about. And I listened to it and I, I, I don't know what song, what came on first. I think it might be aneurysm. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then I listened to Drain You. I thought, okay, this is not bad. I quite like this, actually. It feels like a band who isn't, you know, they are obviously trying to ape the sound of Nirvana, but they're also very good at doing it without feeling like it's a, a straight up copy you know they don't they don't talk in an american accent and all that but the looks down the mannerisms are down and the voice is surprisingly down as well for kurt cobain you're never going to get kurt's you know stunningly strong powerful rough and raw ready voice but these guys give it a hell of a go so i noticed so i saw i saw i, I noticed i had a look i, was like, I wonder whenever they're playing near me no i haven't really heard of these guys and i found out that they've been going for quite a while now at least a decade or so or so so they've been doing this for a while um and i was like oh they're playing in london and they're playing in southampton i thought, well, i don't really want to go to london because it costs a lot of money to get to london uh like 30 dollars a train ticket uh and it's not straightforward you gotta get you gotta get, get the main line train to this station then you've got to get on the, the the tube or the subway here and sometimes you've got to change and get another i don't want to do that i don't mind it on the way but on the way back you just want to get home you've had a great night i want to get home so i drove down to southampton me an hour or so and it was great because I parked just outside the venue. As soon as it finished, bang, back in the car home again. But I had a great time, John. I had a really, really nice. good time. Um, and yeah, they had a, they had a, what sealed it was they had a Pearl Jam tribute band who were do, supporting and they ended up playing for over an hour. And to your point, they ended up playing a lot of the 10 album. Uh, I, I believe that the band who's called Brain of Jay, I believe they've only, have only been in existence for maybe a year tops. So their set list is pretty heavy with, the 10 album and verses well, yeah with a couple of tunes from vitality thrown in like better man and stuff but yeah, well, it's still great because again the guy doing it i was worried that was, we were going to get you know a scott stapp crooning kind of singer and you know i thought he did a very good eddie fedder in person uh tribute and the, but the, the but the musicians were tight as hell man um but i still want to see pearl jam live i've i've missed every opportunity in almost 30 years I'm not going uh, 25 years or whatever it's been 27. I'm not going to miss it again. I think they're coming this year, but I'll get tickets. But no. And then the Nirvana UK came on a plate to 25 song set list. And, wow. you know, watching it, you kind of, I mean, look, I've, like you, I've, I've loved Nirvana for, for the longest time. I love Kurt and Dave and Chris and all the songs, but you don't realize just how good the damn songs are until you're in a, in, in a live situation and how, how catchy they are. Even though, even the kind of really, um rocking ones from in utero or bleach there is there is still the melody there and i know kurt always just say melody 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 was key but some of the hooks man you don't when you're there you, you, it just takes you back and it, it, i don't mean to oversell anything but there was a few times that i'm watching and it's you kind of almost forget that it, you aren't watching the real thing because the real thing almost seems mythical now you know they ended yeah. th- they ended 30 years ago this year um it almost seems like you know the unattainable thing we never saw i know lots of people did but i didn't so if if i squinted i kind of, kind of like wow it's this real thing because they sounded so good but yeah, they played 25 songs covering all the albums and there were a couple of covers it like nirvana cover like man who sold the world uh jesus wants me for a oh, sunbeam good. stuff like that did a little acoustic set in the middle with something in the way and polly uh very you know very cool 
and the opening with uh open with jesus wants me for a sunbeam which nirvana did on the in utero tour and they went into aneurysm and immediately the crowd we just place was packed there was nearly a thousand people there which is insane for a tribute act but the crowd really helped because they've they've paid the money they've made their choice they went in you know they they were there was a pit there was jet bouncing there was you know thankfully i was on the balcony i didn't get covered in it but there's beer cups thrown everywhere there was hoodies and bits of clothing being thrown around there was uh sorry that was me hitting the microphone there were people crowd surfing and just watching from the balcony because i'm a bit old for that now my body can't handle it i was like this is great and this really makes the moment it's really helped so when when aneurysm comes on and that initial riff comes on after the first sort of 20 seconds you're like okay I, this is going to be a great night and you know they, they went through all the hits like that you'd expect my daughter loves smells like teen spirit she heard it in my car about a month or two ago and ever since then she has been besotted with it you know, i'm sure her mother said yeah. her mum will say to me every morning she wakes up and puts that song on and she's dancing in her bedroom she's headbanging um and she knows she knows when to do the fake drum bits as well <coughs> nice I'm very, very proud of that, 100%. Though she did ask about the singer and what happened to him, and I just said he, he passed away, that's all. That's all you need to know. Um, but yeah, so I'm very pleased. So I had to record, I recorded that song for her and a couple of other ones, but I didn't want to stand there all night on my phone, but I did get quite a few. But I, I will say, just before I move on, if you can see them, guys, absolutely do it. it genuinely is a hell of a night out. I know some people don't like tribute bands and think, what's the point of them? But, uh, you know, ones like this, I think, serve a purpose, certainly for yeah, people like me. Too. Uh, and JB, who just missed out on seeing the real deal, and it isn't—it it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel phony. It feels genuine. <laughs> Honestly, I'm watching. Like, I, I could, yes, Chris. No, the, the the Chris basis wasn't as tall, but the Dave, the the, the the drama was kind of like Dave Grohl at the time, very kind of uh, very thin, very spindly, and he had and he had the long hair. But I will say, when they played Negative Creep towards the end, that absolutely f- flaming, <laughs> flipping. That's that's slapped that ripped you know that's i think it was coming they had had like three or four songs left i think they i think they smelt the energy in the room and the drummer just let loose and it was you know it was proper spine tinglingly good and i will and i don't again not to oversell what is a tribute act but good god almighty when they ripped through negative creep that was that's when i was like this is the real deal this is this must be what it was like in the day because they sped that one up like they did live the drummer was beating the living hell out of those skins the bassist was going for it the guitar that incredible slide in the verses and that man was it good so i had a good time you know basically is what i was trying to say so if you get a chance nice. to see, if you're in the uk i do think i think they do international every now and then i don't i think they've been to the states once or twice but i can imagine it's quite expensive without any real guarantee of a crowd as well over here they're very popular and i would absolutely go and see them again oh my kid wants to go and see them but i did say i think it might be a bit loud for you and some of the songs might be a little bit too ferocious for your little ears but we'll see one day maybe one day but yeah, i had a great time there jb uh brilliant night unexpectedly good night because i kind of bought the tickets on a on a whim just kind of on impulse like, you know what i, I am going to spend it's only like 14 pounds like 17 dollars for uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that fine and i had a really really good night one of the best gigs i've seen in a long time and as a result you managed to make some jam out of it as well. So there's yep. the win. There it is. So uh, went long at the end there, both of us did, but we're having such a good time talking. We, we love film, but we also like video games and music. So we don't often get to talk about it on the show. So I think we've managed to outdo ourselves there. Plus we've got no spoiler minisode next week. So speaking of next week, 
we're going to get back to you as a TBC and what we're going to be um, covering. It may end up being Founders Day where we can have a little fun, like we did or Mean Girls. It or Mean Girls, probably Mean Girls the musical actually might be a better shout. The film we did have penciled in is Miller's Girl, the Martin Freeman, Jenna Ortega film, which was uh, kind of it got a little bit of controversy, as everything does, when the trailer was released in December. Um, but it's not getting a wide release near John, and I need to and I need to check whether I can get a link because I believe it's coming out a week or so afterwards in the UK. But I have been in contact with the studio on uh, not the studio with the PR people on that, um, so I'm hoping I can get a link. So if it isn't Miller's Girl, depending on availability, it would probably be Mean Girls the musical. If it's not that, it will be Founders Day, and if it's not that, we'll just have fun talking about films for a bit for you. But we will be back with a film next week if we do know in advance we will drop it on the socials what we're going to be speaking about so um speaking of which that was our iss episode we'd love to know if you've seen the film if you've got any interest in it or if you did see it i think plus if you want to know what we're going to be checking out next week follow us on social media you can find us on x twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john where are we on instagram and threads at bloody awesome movie pod also on tiktok and TikTok at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod as well. Yes, uh, we drop little reviews on there from time to time. So please do check it out and follow us. Please follow us. Uh, we're on Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, we are going to be contributing to the uh, Tomato Meter score or Tomato Meter score for ISS, as we are a Tomato Meter approved podcast. So go check that out as well and see our names on that hallowed website. If you want to talk film with me, you can do at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all of the socials, including Letterbox. John, where are you? At BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And you'll soon find him on his sofa, resting up, taking pills yep. to make himself feel better. But until then, what would make JB feel even better is if you go onto your podcast provider of choice and give us a five-star rating and review. It would make me feel good as well. But come on, we need to rally and make JB feel better. Um, <laughs> those five stars, you, you know you know the score, guys, but it is 100% accurate. It gets more listeners in. It opens up doors for us to get more listeners in. Uh, it gets us up the algorithm and the listening list so more people can find us. Plus, it's enough away if you do leave a review for us to hear from more film fans each and every week which is what we are here for but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies blood 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 blood